Let's con continue with our Bible study. If we go to 1 Kings chapter 12, 1 Kings chapter 12. And we're going to read a few verses here, 1 Kings, way in the Old Testament. 1 <clears throat> Kings is after 2 Samuel. Okay, let's look at chapter 12 here. I'm getting there myself. Let's see, 9, 10, 11, 12. There it is. Okay, uh, let's look at verse 1. Read a little bit on this, and we go to our lesson tonight. It says, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel will come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nabad, was, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they uh, sent and called him, and Jeroboam, and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made a, a, our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou, thou the grievous service to, of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet from for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men, that stood before Solomon, his father, while, while he yet lived, and said, How do, advise, do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servant forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, it is good to heed to good counsel. Lord, we live in a world where counsel, counseling comes from all sources of revenues, Lord. And I pray, Father, help us, as your children, to always heed to godly counsel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so tonight we're looking at a kingdom torn in two. <clears throat> and this is an interesting passage of Scripture. We didn't see it happen here. Last week we saw that Solomon died, and he didn't finish well. He started well. He didn't finish well. Man, let me put it this way too. Every Christian starts well, but doesn't mean that they finish well. Uh, because of the way, they, the way they live their lives. And we see here, and God warned Solomon that if he didn't do or, or obey him, obey the Lord, that this, this is what's going to happen. And we see right here prophecy becoming true is a result right here. God said, this will happen. I will rent the kingdom away from you. Now we see uh, Rehoboam right here and Jeroboam. So don't confuse the two here. Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. And we see right here how God's going to split Israel right here, the kingdom right here. Why? Because of the sin of someone in the past. Sometimes we think that what we do doesn't affect others, but it does. And sometimes way down the line affects others, and we see the result here. So if we are good Bible students, we will come to the conclusion that the Bible have many stories uh, about many different types of people. The Bible talks about prophets and kings, farmers, shepherds, fishermen, tax collectors, common people. The Bible also talks about evil kings and evil people. So the Bible talks about lost sinners and saved saints. So the Bible talk, talks about heaven and hell. The Bible talks about the new heaven and a new earth for God's people. So actually it's easy to picture it as a long, so to speak, television program on which is cut out in many parts. It's like watching a television series of sequels that would that would uh, that, that you don't want to miss. It's like, you know, I don't know about you, but how many times I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I hope it's you too. 
you're reading a chapter of the Bible and you got cut off maybe because somebody interrupted you or you're doing something or you have to stop because of the business of time. You have to go and you, mm, you wanted to read some more and you can't read anymore because you just have to leave. And you go, oh, oh, I want to read. So you can't wait to get back to your Bible. You ever been there? There's stories in the Bible like that. I've, I've been there. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so it happened. I believe it happened to you. So it's like a television show. You're watching, you're watching this series, and you have to go to bed because it's too late. <laughs> and, and the next day you can't wait. Hey, let's go watch that thing again because you're just enticed by it. Well, the Bible's like that in many ways. To me, it is because it happened to me many times, even though I read the Bible quite a few times, and I'm reading my Bible again, and I'm in the book of Exodus, and a good book. So anyway... Uh, chapter 16. Love the book of Exodus. But anyway, uh, so remember programs like, for an example, FBI, ER. Ever uh, watch ER? Yeah, I used to watch ER. I used to watch that show, Cops. It was a good show. Yeah, it was, it was, I used to laugh. Some of, the, some of the silly guys, the way they got caught in doing things, I, they took this, the show off the ear. I used to watch it all the time. The, the, that show. One time they had caught in Providence. <laughs> it was funny. I recognized the roots. It was funny. But anyway, Star Wars, even Star Wars. Some people love them. You know, I'm not a big fan of Star Wars, but I know somebody that is. Anyway, so, <laughs> so you knew the story would change, right? There might be some new characters, but there was a constant theme running throughout the series. I mean, even Star Wars, you can see it's a constant theme running throughout the series. So, it, it's kind of like the Bible is. The Bible is one story about God's love for you and I. And during the course of the movie, so to speak, called the Bible, we see many stories and, and themes emerging, some good and some not so good. Well, today we're looking not at, uh, uh, looking at uh, not a so good chapter in the life of the nation of Israel. And we're going to dig in, a, in, in, a, in just a, a second. But today we're going to look at a kingdom torn in two. Let me put it this way. So you were student in God's Word. We've been through the Bible since Genesis. We've been moving around. Why did we come to this point right here? Why the children of Israel is coming to this point? Sin, bad decisions. And they come to this point. Do they have to be here? No, they don't have to be here. But they did because, well, somebody made a bad decision. So, number one, let's look at this from several points. An arrogant king. We're going to see, we see an arrogant king. Last week we took a look at Solomon's life. Solomon was the wisest man on the planet, so to speak. But Solomon also had a love for good things in life. And in order to support this and to support the military, the people were heavily taxed. And many felt the burden of being forced into hard labor. So, eventually Solomon died and the kingdom was passed on to his son, who? Rehoboam? Like, okay. All right, let's. <laughs> Who is Solomon's son? Rehoboam. Okay, don't confuse with Jeroboam, okay? They're very similar. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was in college and, and I was a half, I have, my head was a little uh, uh, numb because I lack of sleep. And when I heard those two guys, I go, oh, uh, are they? <laughs> Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So, <laughs> so we, uh, so Rehoboam, so eventually Solomon died, like I said, and the kingdom was passed to his son, uh, Rehoboam. So this was where our story picks up right here. The main character, uh, characters on, on this chapter are Rehoboam and Jeroboam from the tribe of Ephraim. So we meet Jeroboam in 1 Kings 11 when he was a young soldier in Solomon's cab, uh, cabinet. He was very successful and rose in leadership. Now, a prophet of God came to Jeroboam and told him that he was going to become the next king of Israel. Now, we have to understand here is, is the southern kingdom and is the northern kingdom. And we're going to deal with this quite a bit. The northern kingdom is many tribes? Ten tribes. The southern kingdom is two tribes. Who are the southern kingdom? That is a... Judah and what? Benjamin. Okay. I'll give you some school tonight. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. So, prophet said he was going to be the next king. So, um, now I want to tell you a story about, uh, let me go back right here. Some, 
I'm sorry. So Jeroboam became impatient, I'm sorry, and tried to take the kingdom from Solomon. And Solomon tried to, to, to have him kill. And Jeroboam escaped to Egypt. That's when we come to this chapter right here. We see that Rehoboam meet with the people in Shechem. And somebody tell Jeroboam, because he is in exile in Egypt, because Solomon now has died, he can come and he comes to be part. He becomes a spokesman there. So, now I want to tell you the story from a couple of points of view. There are always two stories taking place at the same time. There are the upper story on which we see God taking action, okay? This is the viewpoint from God's perspective. We learned that the Bible is not a, a, a complicated book, okay? But in reality, from God's viewpoint, it is one beautiful love story for you and I to, to read. So, we look. if we look at the Bible, we see... We see God's story. That's God's book. That's God's word. Now, there's another story that is the lowest story. That, that, that's our story where life happens. It's the day-to-day -day event which occur, occurs in our world and how we react to them, like paying the bills, sickness, eating together, relationships. It is our very day, daily life. That's what we do. So God have a perspective. God have a story, and we have our own story. And our story is not the same story as God. So God is telling the story about these two guys right here. So let's look at this. So for an example, um, Rehoboam, the story reveals that whatever gift Rehoboam may have possessed, he didn't have the gift of relating to people and understanding their needs. David was, was a king who loved his people and risked his life for his welfare. Solomon, on the other hand, was a king who didn't serve the people but used the people to satisfy his own desires. Rehoboam was a king who ignored the lesson of the past and turned his ears away from the voice of the suffering people and went to follow the footsteps of his father. I said, actually, I'm going to be worse than him. A good leader is a leader that's, that leads by example. He started, I mean, we're going to look into this, but, but this guy right here was not leading by example. But anyway, we look into this. We see that here. We see the assembly at Shechem. Why Shechem? So right, look what it says in verse 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel came to Shechem to make him king. So Solomon must have must made it clear that Rehoboam, his son, was to be the next king. But... It was, it was still necessary for the people to affirm the choice and enter into a covenant with God and the king. For an example, here at the church, for an example, that's not that, that I'm just using it as an example. Let's say I had a Timothy here, okay? And I say, I would come in front of the congregation and say, listen, I'm going to step down and I want Timothy, my desire, Timothy, to be the next pastor. Even though I... Push it in front of the people, still the people got to vote for him. Follow that? Same thing with the king right here. Even though Solomon, on his son, he used to go in front of the people right here, and the people had to affirm to say, you're going to be our king. Because remember, there's 12 tribes. So, Rehoboam and his officers appoint, uh, officers appointed Shechem as the meeting place, and Re Jeroboam and the man of the northern kingdom attended. So Jeroboam had returned from Egypt, of course, because he heard of it, so he came. So Jeroboam knew this man was his enemy. I mean, I'm sorry, Rehoboam knew that this man was his enemy, talking about Jeroboam, but he didn't dare openly oppose him, lest he alienated the people. So he, Rehoboam was, was, had to be careful here because if he did something to Jeroboam, which was a popular man, and had the northern kings of, northern king with him, with him. He was, he was a, 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 in a risk of losing the whole northern kingdom, which he did. But he's trying to calm down right here, so to speak. So, uh, surely Rehoboam also knew the prophet given uh, by Ahijah. Uh, that Jeroboam would become ruler of the northern kingdom, but perhaps he didn't think it would real uh, with the crit at that moment. So no doubt he thought that the uh, Davidical dynasty and the uh, uh, Solomonic prosperity would carry the day, but he forgot Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 14. So if Rehoboam selects Shechem for this important meeting, it was one of the smartest things that this man ever did. Why Shechem? 
Shechem was located 40 miles north of Jerusalem, a good central city for such an important meeting. It was situated in the tribe of Manasseh, and it would please the people in the northern ten tribes. So Je uh, Joseph's tomb was in Shechem, Joshua 24:32. The tabernacle had been in, in uh, Cylon in Ephraim, and Samuel the prophet was from the hill country of Ephraim. Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, had been in Shechem, and so was Jacob. So Joshua had confirmed the covenant with Israel at Shechem. So Shechem was a place of great history or historical and spiritual significance for the Jewish people. So there was a smart move for this man to meet the people there at Shechem. So let's move down here a little bit. We see the appeal. The appeal. Look what it says in verse 4. The people appealing to Rehoboam, right? It says, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put up upon us lighter and we will serve thee. You see, you have to look at the end of the verse. They say, if you do this, they literally said, we will serve thee. They're literally saying, they said, this, if, you, if you do this, that's what we do. And look at verse 5. And he said unto them, depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed, uh, departed. So, led by Jeroboam and the leaders of the northern tribes, protested the heavy yoke that Rehoboam had laid upon them, including high taxes and forced labor. So when Solomon organized the land into 12 districts, it appears that Judah was in, in this policy and have been followed uh, when he uh, 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 got the labors here. So we can easily understand that how the tribes would respond to such favoritism. So they, they look at Rehoboam and then ask King, uh, Rehoboam the next king and says, listen, your father was really hard on us. Do they have the right to say that? Yes, they did have the right to say that. I mean, if you would do, you probably would say the same thing. Heavy taxed, heavy labor. You would say, hey, can you do something different for us? Sometimes, you know, we have to speak in wisdom and kind and love. You know, and they did. They went and made an appeal to the king. Can you take, cut the taxes off? Can you make our living a little easier? But not like worse than what your father already have on us. The answer was, no, he didn't say no. Give me three days to think about it. <laughs> That's what he said. Look at verse, look at verse 5. It says, it says, depart ye for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. So the people appealed. The king, we're going to think about it, and we get together again. I think it was a wise decision. So you don't be quick to speak. I would say, okay, I need some wisdom on this. Just give me three days, and I'll get back to you. So I don't think he did nothing wrong here. I think, actually, actually I think it is a wise decision to do. The people appealed. The king said, okay, I listened. I heard what you said. Now let me think about it. Let me get some, some uh, counseling on this. You know, sometimes, you know, we need to see those things. Give me a couple of days. Give me a couple hours. Let me get some counseling on this. And we go from here. So the people uh, were, like, like I said, were, were tired of the, the heavy taxation. And, of course, they made it appear right here. So let's go here down a little bit. Let me see where I was. Let me guess. Oh, let me see. I lost my spot. <laughs> I lost my spot right here. So the people were, like, there we go, I found it. We're, uh, uh, we're wearing a yoke that they were tired of it. So back in the days of the judges, Israel asked for a king, warned them, uh, uh, and, and of course the, the Samuel warned them that, that, that having a king, it would be a costly luxury to them because it comes with taxation. We know that. We have, we have a government. We know how it works. So every, everything Samuel warned about, about a king came to pass. And now they were living in the same situation, heavy tax, Burdens we're having, and they were crying out and saying, listen, this is too heavy for us. Can you do something? It must have irritated Rehoboam that Jeroboam was the spokesman of the ten northern tribes. For surely he, ab uh, he, ab uh, he about the prophecy of Ahijah, and that, uh, that were, and that is Father Solomon, had tried to kill Jeroboam. And the guy, of course, he ran to Egypt. Furthermore, Jeroboam was a favor in Egypt, 
and Je uh, Rehoboam didn't know what plan he had with Pharaoh, him and Pharaoh had made together. So the kingdom was not in good shape, and only Rehoboam made things, could make things better. All right, we're going to see, as we go down, we're going to see the counseling that he takes. He's going to go to the younger people. He's going to go to the elder people of Israel. They're both going to counsel him, and he's going to make his decision. You know, right here, the kingdom right here is lying in the hands of Jeroboam and what, what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. It's in his hands. It's like, like, like we say, you had, the, you had the bird in your hands and you let it fly away. And that's what's going to happen. The bird is in Jeroboam's hands right here. What is he going to do with it? Is he going to hold down to it or he's going to open his hands and let it fly? As we go down, we're going to look into this. So, so visitors to Israel are uh, all struck by that, that what they saw, and they couldn't detect the moral and decay that was creeping through the foundations of the kingdom, beginning on the throne, of course. Folks, how many times Christians walk around like everything is okay, and that God is on the throne, and this spiritual life is solid as a rock. But inside, many times, in the lives of many, Walls are crumbling down, and the foundations are falling. Why? Because they have, like Solomon, turned their hearts away from their God. Folks, this started with Solomon. Solomon turned his heart away from God. And it goes round down to his, to his kids, to his son, then, then continues to go down. So the people, the people here were willing to serve Rehoboam if only he would serve and made life a a bit easier for them. You think it was that too much to ask? When you see injustice, don't, don't, you, don't you want to speak up? Of course. When we see injustice, when we, speak, when, we speak, when we are mistreated, we want to speak up. When we don't see things right, we like to speak up. That's what the people did. They say, listen, that's what your father did. You're a new king. Can you, can you just... Make a little taxation a little easier. Making life a little easier for us and our children. And the people who were willing to serve him, not like they said, if you don't do this, we're going to leave. No, the people were willing to serve him. Some leaders think that they have to be five to ten steps higher than the people that they are leading to. But by doing that, they fail to see that they are creating an unreachable stage between them and the people. Listen. How high was Jesus with the people? He was even. He sat with the people. It was a custom of the day, but Jesus didn't go in some altar high so the people could hear him. He sat. He went on the boat. He sat with the people. He went in a little hill. He sat with the people. So Jesus was approachable. Follow that? Jesus is approachable. I'm glad that my Jesus is approachable. I can approach him. He's approachable. He's a king that is approachable. Well, some leaders are like that. They, they have make, put them, themselves in so high places that the people found very hard to connect with them. That shouldn't be that way. A good leader is one who have a servant's heart. A good leader is one who leads by example. A good leader is one who is reachable. A good leader is one that reaches to his people. That was the heart of David. David reached to his people. Solomon lived like a celebrity. He was the man. His son was following the footsteps of his father. So all of God's, all of God's truly great leaders have been servants to the people. Let me give you some names. Moses, he served. Joshua, he served. Samuel, he served. David, he served. Paul, he served. John, he served. Peter, he served. You see, the greatest leaders in the Bible, you see them as a heart, as servants. Solomon had chosen to be a celebrity. Rehoboam was following his dad's example. Listen, you can serve in your local church with a servant's heart, like many others of the Lord's servants did, did as we, you read your Bible. Or we can choose to be like Solomon and Rehoboam who wanted to be celebrities. People who were more concerned about themselves than they were about the people that they led. I remember one time many years ago, 
on one, one man in the church. I mean, this man was a little bit wealthy, I have to say. Had some good business. What are you talking about? A servant's heart. We were cleaning the church up. We had an event in the church. Was, I mean, it was a big church. It was garbage cans everywhere. You know, if you have 10, 20 people, that's nothing. But if you have like one person doing the whole job, that's, that's a lot of work. And, you know, one comes, hey, can you give me a hand? Hey, can you give me? And before you know, you got a bunch of people. And one goes to this person and goes, hey, can you give us a hand here? Do you know who I am? I am so-and-so. I do not pick up garbage bags. Do you think that person have a servant's heart? You know what the other guy said? Oh, this was so good. Do you know who I am? I am so-and-so, my father so-and-so, but I go pick up the garbage bags. He deserved that that day. I was, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. But, I mean, you know, you can see, I mean, servants are so, some of the greatest leaders in the Bible are servants. See, when Jesus came to earth, he came as what? A servant. He came to serve. And he did serve. What a great example. And the Lord wants us to have a servant's heart. Look what he did. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now think of this. this is, just think of this for a second. Jesus, the Creator, the Lord, God Almighty, Emmanuel, washing the people that he gave life to. Can you imagine that? He's the one should be sitting on the throne and we washing his feet and kissing his feet and say, Lord, thank you so much. But the opposite, he came and he was washing people's feet. What example? Example of a service, servant's heart. He washed his disciples' feet as a humble example of being a willing servant. He wants us to follow his example, not, not the examples of the great leaders of the secular world. Let us see, we see the advice. The advice. We read part of it. And it says, but look at it, verse 6. And it says, and, and King Rehoboam consulted with the old man that stood before Solomon, his father, and while he yet lived, and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. But, there's a big word right here, but he forsook the counsel of the old man which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grouped up with him and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that ye may answer this people who have spoken to me, uh, saying, Make the yoke which thy father put upon, upon us lighter. And the young men that were, that were grown up with him spake, Speak unto him, saying, Thou shalt speak unto this people, and, and speak these uh, sayings. Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. But thou shalt say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, and now, as my father did lay, laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to you to your yoke, and my father had chastised you with whips, and I will chastise you with scorpions. That's good counseling, isn't it? <laughs> that, is, that is awesome counseling right here. I mean, you know, that is amazing. Okay. Sometimes we go get counseling and we, want, we look for the people that are going to tell us what we want to hear. You follow that? And so we go around and until we find those who we want to hear and we go, oh, I like this one. That's exactly what happened here. He even went to his little buddies and he said, you know, the guys that grew up with him and play ball with them and said, I said, oh, I listen to these old guys over there. They don't have no idea what they're talking about. They, all, they don't even know what, what, what they ate last night. And let me, what, what are we going to do? <coughs> Excuse me. And the buddies goes, that's what you're going to do. Oh, yeah, that's what you're going to do to them. Yeah, I'll let them have it. 
You know why? Because that's what he wanted to do in the first place too anyway. I believe so. So we have people that like to, they go around looking for the counseling that they want to hear. Very few actually are the ones who go look for counseling so they can change themselves. They say, I need counseling for this. What can I do? I don't know how. I, I mean, actually, the way he started, I think he started wonderful. He said, give me time to think. He could say, give me time to pray. Give me time to seek the Lord's face. And let's see what the Lord put in my heart, and I'll get back to you. All right, the people give him three days. He gave the, asked the people for three days. The people said, okay, they went home. He goes and asked the counseling. The first people that he, he asked counseling for, he didn't hear a word of what they say. Then he probably went to his buddies and laugh and mock the old people and say, oh, like that's what they told me. And he said, ah, that's what we're going to do. Remember when I said he had the bird in his hands? Literally, folks, what he did, he opened his hands and the bird just flew away. And the kingdom cracked into two. You see, it is good for us to take heed to godly counseling. So, One of the marks of David's leadership was that he was willing to humble himself and seek the mind of God and then pray for God's blessing on his decisions. Leadership who try to impress people with their skills but take no time to seek the Lord only prove that they don't know the most important thing in spiritual leadership. They are second in command. Listen, a pastor is to counsel with God. Decisions got to be prayer and prayerfully made. Ask the Lord, Lord, is that what you want me to do? The people are to pray. Decisions that actually cause uh, things like the right here, a division of a kingdom. Very important. So number one, sound spiritual, spiritual counseling is important. Sound spiritual counseling is important. Look what it says in Proverbs 4, 11, 14. Where is no counsel? is the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Counseling is good. Ask a word of wisdom is wonderful. Sometimes we just need to ask the Lord. We go to the Lord and we read in His Word and we say, Lord, thank you for giving me counseling. But sometimes we need a godly counseling from a godly brother or a godly sister. Sometimes we need... Young people don't think that the old people are just out of date, that you don't, they don't know anything. They lived longer than you. They've been around longer than you. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't listen to them. i got to listen to my buddies. Well, your buddies, they live the same years you live and probably don't know much like, like you don't. That's what happened to Jer uh, uh, Rehoboam here. Look what it says in Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, purpose are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So, uh, Proverbs 24, 6, for by, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in a multitude of counsels, there is what? Safety. In making important decisions, we should seek sound spiritual counseling. But let us be sure that the counselors we talk to are mature saints who are able to guide us on the, the right path of life. Listen, <laughs> we have to... Be prayerfully, prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, who should I ask counseling from? Because some of us don't want to give you good counsel. We have to do that. And unless the Lord, who are these people in the church that we can ask for counsel when we need it? So we must be wise because we make our decisions and then our decisions turn around and make us. Sometimes we forget our decisions, but decisions can never forget us because we reap with what? Well, we sow. If the path we choose turns out to be a detour, then let's admit it, it confess our sins and ask the Lord to lead us back to the right road. Listen, these are the types of counsel we can get. Let me tell you this. This Bible is full of counseling. You can go to the Word of God and take counseling from the Word of God. And sometimes, you know, something that goes through life, I mean, discouragement, maybe, I don't know, you name it, things, issues of life, uh, situations, problems, and we read the Word of God and we say, Lord, thank you. That was a good passage. That was good counseling. I needed that. Sometimes we get counseling from the preaching of God's Word. 
We might be in a, in a service and a pastor preaches a service and we say, Lord, that message was not for anybody else. It was for me. I needed to hear that. Sometimes it's the teaching. You come to Sunday school and as a teacher, the teacher teaches and maybe it's a statement, maybe it's a, a verse that you forgot about it, but he, he, he reads it up and you go, wow, Lord, I needed to hear that. And sometimes we just need to go some, see some godly man or godly woman and say, I need to talk to you. Can you give me counseling on this issue? I don't know what to do. And you know, when we go to there, we go because why? We already trust that person. We believe that person will not mislead us. And that's why we need to be careful. Because not everybody in the church are walking with the Lord the way they should. I'm not trying to offend anyone here. Don't, don't misunderstand. Neither are you online, but I'm just trying to make a point right here. So, number two, taking heed to good counsel is wise. The elders give Rehoboam the best advice. Be a servant to the people, and the people will serve you. However, Rehoboam had already had his mind made up, so he immediately reject the answer and turn to his buddies. And he liked what they said. You know what? Because they spoke the same language. They play in the streets. They're the same age. But let me tell you, he made a huge mistake. Okay. Let me put it this way. I don't want to listen to my parents because my parents are out of fashion. They don't understand me. I use many teenagers that say that. They don't understand me because uh, I'm, I'm young, I'm wiser. They're too old. You know what? As time moves on, the teenager becomes a parent, and the, 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 the children begin to grow, and that's, that's what happens. Their children say the same thing about them. The cycle repeats itself. And why is that? Because they have no wisdom. They're young. They're not mature. But there are kids who go and ask counseling from their parents. This guy right here left the elders of Israel, people that told him the truth and said, listen, if you're a servant to these men, let me tell you, they're going to serve you. Let me tell you this. In my 24 years being a Christian, I have, so -called, I have seen so-called Christian leaders take the Rehoboam approach to terrible, terrible I mean, do terrible damage to the work of the Lord and then walk away from the mess that they created, leaving behind poison and debris that will take years to remove. I've seen this happen. The ancient world honor age and maturity, but our modern society worships youth. In our churches and, 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 and church ministries, there are a desperate need for generation balance. With, with the older and young, generation communicating with each other and learning from each other just like a family. Listen, we need to take counsel from the young. The young need to take counsel from the old because there are a lot of young people with a lot of brains. And there are a lot of old people, older people with a lot of brains. So we need to be together and share the wisdom and for the, for the greater good of the local church and the body of Christ. Put it this way. I learned my spot. I learned. My, uh, lo uh, lost my spot again. Look, the first uh, First Timothy five one says, "Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the young man as a brother, brethren, the elder woman as a mother, and the younger sister with all purity." You see, the Bible teaches us to be balanced. To be balanced. We need the young people in the church as much as we need the older people in the church. God never designed the church to be just a certain age of people. This church is to be full with young and old and middle-aged people. I correct my pastor one time, not in a mean way, in a kind way. He said, we were sitting in the meeting, he said, you know, we need to reach the, that people in that section of the church. Well, I know exactly what section he, he took. I said, pastor, are we going to reach this people? What about the other people? And he goes, well, these people are the future of the church. I said, Pastor, the future of the church is today. Today is the future. So you have a church full of children, young adults, teenagers, middle age, and elderly. If you're going to reach the, 
middle-aged people and ignore the other ones, you're not doing what God's telling you to do. It's to reach the whole people because the church is, is full of people of different ages. He didn't agree with me, but after he came to talk to me and he said he agreed with me. <laughs> but at that moment, he, you know, his mind, but after he said, you were right. That's like, yeah, we need to reach over everybody. You see, uh, so a friend told me he wanted to start a church only for people 50 and older. And I suggest he put an undertaker on the staff. God meant for, uh, for his church to include male and female, old and young, and those in between, and that all of them should learn from one another. Can an older person learn from the younger people? Absolutely. I said, just because they're young doesn't mean that they, they don't do something that's like, oh, I never seen that before. There's a lot of you people that come out, a lot of young people come out with some words of wisdom and, 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 and I have a lot of wisdom that God gave them. You know what, but, it's a, but they can also uh, learn with the older people. Listen, there's a lot of older people that they have no example to give to anybody. That's the truth. So we have to be balanced. That's the, the way the church should be. There are old folks as well as young folks and age is not a... No guarantee of wisdom or even useful experience. The young people in my life help me catch up with the present, and I help them to catch up with the past. And so we all stay balanced and love one another. Now, the young counselors were interested in primary being important and magnifying themselves in the authority of the new king. So we have a phenomenon these days. We have churches. They're designed purposely just to reach the young people. I don't think that is wise. What about the elderly? What about the, the, the middle-aged people? What about those people? What about? They need the, the Lord too. They need to grow in the Lord too. And in no way in the Bible you find such church like that. We find churches like composed with different people, young and old. And if everybody disagrees with me or even online, come talk to me. I'll talk to you. Because that's the way the church of God should be. Whatever the, the Lord brings in, we take it in, young and old, and we learn from each other. So letter D, we see the announcement. The announcement. Actually, I want to read 1 Peter 5, 5 before we got to that point. It says, Likewise, ye young, submit yourselves to the elder, yet all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud and gave grace to the humble. So now we see the announcement. So we see the announcement right here. And what happened? They're going to read for the sake of time. We see from verse 12 to verse 15, we see what happens here. And so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam. And the third day, as the king had appointed, say, come, uh, come to meet me again the third day. And I'm reading anyway. And the king answered the people roughly and, for, and forsook the old man's counsel and that they give him. And speak to them after the counsel of the young man saying, my father, and we already read this, these things, though he, he forsake the counsel of the old, old folks and just took the counsel of his buddies. Uh, see, Rehoboam's leadership was motivated by pride, not humility. Pride knows nothing of gentleness and kindness. Apparently, Rehoboam had not taken time to read Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 to 20. The king answered the people roughly, which is the same Hebrew word that is translated grievous in verse 4. The way he, the, the way he spoke was rough or, or rude to them, and he, he told them what the young people told him. I'm not surprised about the reaction. Go to, look at verse 16. Look what it says in verse 16. Look at the reaction of the people. So when all Israel saw the king's heart not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, what portion have we in David? That's a question mark right there. Neither, ha neither have we inherit in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. What a sad day for Israel. That was a sad day. That was a house divided right there. Who caused that? Rehoboam. Why? Because he took counseling. With the young people. He took the wrong. I would say, I don't even want to point the young people. I, I would say he took the wrong counseling. And he got the results right here. The people left him and the kingdom split right here. 
What a sad day for Israel. Number two, we see a angry king. A angry king. Then King Jeroboam sent uh, send Adonam, uh, who was the, over the, the tribute and all Israel, stoned him with stones and he did die. Therefore, King Jeroboam made special, uh, speed to get him up in a chariot to flee to, to Jerusalem. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men which were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. You see, he, had, there, he took the wrong advice. He told him he had the bird in his hands. He let it fly away. Then the kingdom splits right here. Now he's trying to use force they got the kingdom back. I think it's a little too late now. Isn't that sad? He could have done it in communicating peacefully and with a little bit of wisdom. No, he didn't. He let the bird fly. Now he's going to use force. Too late, Rehoboam. Real too late. For the sake of time, let's go to point number three. We see the, the astute king. You see this in verse 20, 22, But the word of the Lord came to Shemai, the, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah, and Benjamin, and the remnant of the people, saying, Thou saith the Lord, Ye shall now go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened, therefore, to the word of the Lord, and departed and return, to, and, and, and return to the part according to the word of the Lord. So Rehoboam heard and obeyed God's message from the, from the prophet right here. And the Lord began to give him wisdom and bless his life here. And, and he stayed on the course and he would uh, have led Judah in godliness and true greatness. But he turned from the Lord and lost the blessings he and his people could enjoy. You see, the Lord hold him back. Otherwise, guess what happened? He would go to war. Now, it would be only a split king, but it would be a civil war. Number four, we see an, uh, an apostate king. We see the verse in verse 22 to verse 23, it says, And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they had committed above all that their fathers had done. For they also built them high places and image and groves on every high hill and on the, every green tree. So Rehoboam walked with the Lord for three years after becoming king. But in the fourth year of his reign, when the throne was secured, he and all Judah turned away from Jehovah to worship idols. My question is, why you leave the God that saved you to go serve idols? I don't understand that. He was serving the Lord and he began to serve dead gods, idols. Why people do that? People do that in our, in our day too. They leave God's word, they leave church, they leave, they leave everything that is godly. They even leave God altogether and embrace the world back again. I conclude with this. Before we pass judgment on the king and people of Judah, perhaps we had better examine our own lives and churches as well. Surveying the case that many churches split are the results of people not getting along with one another. Bad counseling wrong conclusions and wrong decisions. Can you imagine a church split because of the color of a carpet? That is a sad start. They want to put a new carpet in the church and they have a church split because one side of the church went red and the other side of the church went blue. You know, if I, the, if I was the pastor, you know what I would do? i put red and blue. <laughs> you know, that would be, it went red, okay. No, i do that. But I'll put blue. And listen, but when we come to a point like that, listen well, when we come to a point like that on which there is a, a unstable or, 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 or the people are arguing with each other because of the color of a carpet, I think the problem is deeper than that. Don't you think? I think that the problem is a lot deeper than the color of a carpet. But it happened. And you say, really? I'm telling you. Uh, his arguments about the colors of the carpets and the, they buy new chairs and what kind of colored chairs we're going to have or, or we're going to paint the walls, what color walls, we're going to fix this. People argue about all kinds of things. No, let's do this in unity of minds. Listen. Oh, I don't, 
like blue. I like pink. Listen, but the consent is everybody likes and not just you. It's not just for you. <laughs> it's for everybody. I remember when I passed the, uh, we'll paint the, uh, the uh, Great Roland Baptist Temple, and it was for, went from yellow. Is that yellow? Golden? Or was that white? I think it was golden. I don't even remember. But it went from a, a, a similar blue to this, a little more babyish blue. And some people, I, remember, I heard my own ears, people say, oh, it looks like, you know, a, boy a little boy lives here. <laughs> they, will, they will critique the color. Like, it's for the greater good of everybody. I mean, it's a consent. But, but churches go to splits because of that. And believe me, surveys in the case of many church split as a result of people not getting along with one another. Bad counseling, wrong conclusions, and wrong decisions. The materialistic and humanistic idols that of the unsaved world have their way into the church. And, come to, and, and we come to the same conclusion here as Rehoboam did. May we continue united with one heart, one mind, one goal, and one vision. May we keep our eyes on the mark and keep eyes on Jesus, not on each other. Let me put it this way, and I'm, I'm closing with this. If Rehoboam said to the people, give me three days, I'm going to seek the Lord's face. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to give me wisdom to answer you the right way. And after he prayed, then you're going to get counseling from these people and counseling from these people. I believe you would listen to the counseling of the first people, all the elder people. If he listened to, if he went to the Lord and prayed, then his mind was made up, he was listening to his buddies. And after he, when he realizes that he did wrong, he wants to fix it with war. So now innocent people are going to die because of his bad decision. May we keep our eyes on the mark and keep, our, and keep Jesus at the center of everything we do in the house of God. May we do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. May we take counseling from godly people, Lord, who have you as the best interest at hand. May we take counseling from those who, Lord, we see they're walking with you. May we do that. May we take counseling from your word, Lord. Lord, we can take so much from out of there. Help us, Lord, when we are in trouble, when we're hurting, when we have obstacles and decisions we have to make to take counsel from you and from those, Lord, that you impress on our hearts to ask counseling from. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. We don't have a prayer sheet tonight. Uh, Brother Tom, I guess he was